This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations and insider information on all of the newest releases that I have read and recommend. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations or to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. If you love to read, please consider joining my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month, one where I talk about the next month's most anticipated books and one where I chat with an independent bookseller all about their store and the books that they recommend. In addition, I host a monthly early read where members have advanced access via NetGalley to a digital copy of a book, and then we meet on Zoom with the author pre-publication to chat about that book. January's book is The Sweet Spot by Amy Popel, and for February there are two, Lauren Willig's new book Two Wars and a Wedding, and a debut by Lee Abramson called A Likely Story. Thanks so much to those who already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, I am chatting with Mary Weber O'Malley and Pamela Klinger-Horn about their recommended reads for the first four months of 2023. Mary is the free-range virtual bookseller at large for Skylark Bookshop, an author liaison and scheduling producer for A Mighty Blaze. She is also a writer, grandmother, and chicken wrangler. Mary lives outside of Chicago with her husband and a menagerie of pets. Pamela has been a literary event planner since 2012. She enjoys attending and promoting literary events throughout the Twin Cities and beyond and has been nicknamed the local literary fairy godmother. She is currently the literary event coordinator at Valley Bookseller in Stillwater, Minnesota, and the creator and host of the monthly literary program, Literature Lovers Night Out. I hope you enjoy our conversation and add as many books to your TBR as I added to mine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pamela and Mary. How are you two today? Doing very well and super excited to be here talking about some amazing titles coming out in the new year. Yes, thank you for having us back on the program. I'm thrilled to be here and nothing I like better than talking about exciting new books. Well, I get such great feedback on these episodes. I was telling you all that before we started recording, but I just am so happy you're back and people love hearing what you're going to recommend. Thank you. So before we do that, let's talk a little bit about how far ahead you read. I follow you both on Instagram and Facebook and your great resources for books that are coming out way far in the future often. So how far ahead are you normally reading? I am reading right now. I'm reading a lot of March and April titles 
And I've got some books going even into June and July at this point. I just haven't quite gotten to them yet, but I'm well into mid-spring in my reading. I'm the same as Mary. The book I'm currently reading is a May 2023 release, although I did just delve deeply into the February list because the Indie Next nominations were due for that month, so I had to clean up a few arcs that were sitting on my nightstand waiting for my attention, but mostly right now I am headed into late spring of 23. And sometimes you guys read even farther ahead than that because you'll get manuscripts, right? Because I'll see your name on galleys when they come through to me sometimes. That's correct. I actually, now that you mention it, I did read um, several months ago a book that is coming out in July called The Sunset Crowd. And I, until you mentioned it, I'd forgotten that I'd read it because it was so long ago and it doesn't come out till mid next year. So that's that's always really exciting when I know there's something great coming out so far in advance. Yeah, I actually read that one uh, quite a while ago and I didn't realize it was the same book because I read it so early that it had a different title. I think it was called The Hollywood Group at that point. Oh, that's really interesting. But I know a lot of times when I get galleys, I see one or both of your names on them. So I'm like, okay, they've read this book way before people who are reading the galley are reading it. We try. I just finished a wonderful manuscript by Josh Moling. He wrote, um, and there he kept her, published by Poison Pen. And it was the first in a series about a sheriff in small town, Minnesota. And this second one now, Where the Dead Sleep, just came out. So I kind of was really pumped to get my hands on that one because I enjoyed his character of the small town sheriff so much. And he did not disappoint. It ended on a really great cliffhanger. And I'm already chomping at the bit to get number three. And that's hard because you're reading so far ahead. So you're like, okay, I'm ahead. And now I've got to wait for the next one, which won't be out for quite some time, but you'll get it early again. So that helps a little. It does help a little. But when you're really caught up in the moment with that character, oh, you just want your hands on that next book so badly. (laughs) Just call him up and say, okay, what's going to (laughs) happen? I know. I texted him. I'm like, Josh, how long do I have to wait? That's great. Well, what happens to me, and I don't read as far ahead as you all are usually, is that I'll be super excited about what I'm reading. But then when somebody asks me for a recommendation for right now, I have to sit there and sort of slot everything into place and be like, okay, actually, what's coming out right now? It's hard to shift back and forth a little bit. It's very difficult for me to shift back when people ask for a current recommendation. I have to go to my Instagram and scroll back several months to see what I read that was coming out now. Yeah, I'm very old school. I go back to my little spiral bound notebook and flip back six, seven months to see what it was I was reading then so that I can tell them something that's actually currently available on the bookstore shelves. You forget after a while when things are coming out. You totally do. And you want to be like, well, I have read this really great book, but it doesn't come out till May of 2023. So you're probably wanting something a little more current. Exactly. Well, let's dive in. I feel like that winter of 2023 is going to be such a wonderful time for books. Books are arriving right and left here, and there are so many that I'm so excited about. I've read a couple of the ones you all are talking about and love them equally. And today, one of my most anticipated books arrived, which is Kate Morton's book, Homecoming, and I can just hardly wait to dive in. I'm going to start it tonight. Lucky you. I need a copy of that one. So do I. Well, I'm sure if mine arrived, yours is arriving momentarily. I'll be checking my mailbox. I sat in on some kind of event with her. Somebody interviewed her 
And so she talked a lot about the book and then they said these packages would be on the way and it's got all this fun stuff with it. It's really nice when the publisher includes swag with the book. It certainly gets your attention. It really does. Well, let's dive into all these wonderful winter 2023 releases. Who would like to start? I would be happy to start. I have a blockbuster January release that is just amazing. It is called The Age of Vice, and it is by Deepti Kapoor. It is clocking in at almost 500 pages, which was a little intimidating, but I got pulled into the story immediately within the first pages of it. It is a modern day Godfather type saga set in India. And I was kept on the edge of my seat page after page. It's wealth and power, friends and lovers and suspenseful twists from the beginning to the very last paragraphs. It's an atmospheric masterpiece that is begging to be made into a limited series or a movie. That was the number one Indie Next pick for January. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. And rightly so. It is riveting. How dark is it? There is, um, there's definitely some violence, just as there are in the Godfather books and movies. You're going to see that type of mob violence and things. But a lot of it is really more suspenseful. It's it's not all dark. It's very atmospheric, but I don't think people who shy away from gore should should be concerned. There is a little bit of that, but it's not page after page of gratuitous violence. Okay, that's good to know. What you're describing, I can handle. If there was just tons and tons of gore, I'm not so sure. But I keep hearing such good things, I think I'm going to have to at least try it. It's amazing. All right, Pamela, you're up. I am going to start off my January recommendations with the new novel by Marie Benedict. Many of you will recognize her name from her long list of wonderful historical fiction about women. This new one takes on the Mitford sisters. It's called The Mitford Affair. And the best adjective I can come up for this one is that it is a sizzler. It takes a look at these six sisters who, in the early part of the 20th century, were quite the socialites. They were beautiful. They were brilliant. They came from a very rich family. They were, however, extremely controversial. Uh, They weathered scandals and divorces, and they cozied up to the fascists. One sister, Unity, really, really lobbied hard to get into Hitler's inner circle. And as the Nazis rise in power, this one sister's constant visits to Germany put them up pretty high profile on the British government's watch list. So Nancy Mitford, who is watching her sisters and even her parents start to flirt a little bit with Nazi fascination, she finally is forced to make a choice between choosing loyalty to her country or loyalty to her family, who she sees going down a very dark road. So this will keep you just flipping pages at the pace of a thriller. And all the while, it's very well-researched, beautifully written, as Marie always does. And The Mitford Affair is going to be a great way to start off those bleak days of January with something that is going to get your attention and be 
making you happy that you have a new book to grab to start that new year. It's interesting to me how Nancy Mitford in particular has been in a number of books lately. It's one of those subjects that, you know, all of a sudden it seems like something will bubble up. And right now it seems to be Nancy Mitford and her sisters. Exactly. I know one of the streaming services recently did a new short series of one of her novels. And um, I think PBS has done several versions of Love in a Cold Climate. So she stays topical. She does. And this is Marie Benedict's last book with Sourcebooks, right? And then she's switching to Berkeley. Um, I know this is with Sourcebooks. I don't know about what the future holds for her. That's correct. It is her final one with Sourcebooks. Okay. Yep. She's switching over to Berkeley. And I just have to say that as is often the case, Pamela and I have a lot of crossover in our titles. And this is one I loved as well. I know Mary and I had to arm wrestle a lot over this list. (laughs) I always enjoy seeing the emails going back and forth. And I'm like, who's going to end up with that one? And who's going to end up with that one? A total barter. (laughs) Well, what's up next for you, Mary? Next, I have, um, this is also on the Indie Next list. And I believe that they used my quote for it. So, you know, I loved it. It is The Night Travelers by Armando Lucas Correa. And it comes out in January. It is a multi-timeline generational novel of mothers and daughters. It is heart-wrenching and gorgeous, a work of historical fiction that takes place between Berlin and Havana from the 1930s to the 1980s. There are multiple storylines that are woven together with such beauty and skill I held this up to my heart when I was finished. I just, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is a soul-quenching novel, The Night Travelers by Armando Lucas Correa. I saw you post about it, and then someone else in a short amount of time also posted about it. So I think I need to add it to my list, especially since I love historical fiction. Absolutely. I I just adored this book. And anyone who enjoys historical fiction is going to find it just an absolute gem. I wasn't sure how the Berlin-Havana connection was going to play out. Was it going to feel organic? And oh, just what he did with these, it, it just like a master craftsman weaving together these stories so beautifully. It is an interesting toggle between Berlin and Havana. Yes, absolutely it is. And he just, what he does with it is masterful. Well, Pamela, I think you have another January release. Is that right? I do indeed. This time I'm going to offer you a contemporary thriller by Stacey Willingham. Her last one was The Wonderful Flicker in the Dark. And this time she takes on every parent's worst nightmare in all the dangerous things. Uh, The main character, Isabel Drake, has her life changed forever when she and her husband wake up to find that their toddler son is not in his crib and they have been asleep in the next room. Needless to say, her entire life falls apart. Her son is missing. The police don't have any clues to go on. It gets picked up with a lot of interest by these true crime fanatics who are following the case. But as you read along with Isabel trying to find out what happened to her son and, of course, wanting to get him back, 
you are so caught up in the gaslighting and her sometimes deceptive memory of what actually happened and other people's interest and input. And she is determined to find the truth. And so will the reader be desperate to know what actually happened to this baby. I can't imagine as parents waking up and finding your child missing from your very own home. And this will have you just gripping this novel with white knuckles as you tear through these pages. I can't even imagine having something like that happen. I, it's every parent's worst nightmare. And here it is on the page. You will, you will want to know what happens to this character. Yes, that is truly horrifying. So again, that is called All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. And that comes out in January. All right, Miss Mary. Okay, so I have another January title myself. This is called The Sisters We Were. It's by Wendy Willis Baldwin. And it is, as the title suggests, about a pair of sisters, Ruby and Pearl Crenshaw. Childhood trauma and shame have kept these two sisters apart, one running away from her past, the other reliving it by staying in the childhood home where, while their mother is serving time in prison. Family secrets and coming to terms with the past test their bonds, but when one sister decides to go under the knife to try and combat her weight, she asks the other sister to return to help her while she recovers from surgery. It's a story of family bonds and how we can heal from the past by facing it. I really liked this unique storyline, you know, that the childhood trauma tearing sisters apart, not really unique, but the spin and the author has an author's note in the beginning of the book about her sister's battle with weight and how it affected their bond and their, their relationship. And that really, it, it's very well portrayed within the book. I just really got to know these two sisters. I felt like they were actual people that I knew in my life. The author did a great job of really developing each character and then working their relationship together. I thought it was just a wonderful and sweet novel of sisterhood. And I really enjoyed it. It was one of those kind of palate cleansers for me in between some heavier, heavier novels. And this one does, ha it has some very heavy storylines running through it, the trauma that they faced. There's some trigger warnings in the book as well. But the actual relationship that they come together and mend did my heart good. I really enjoyed this read. And it's The Sisters We Were by Wendy Willis Baldwin coming in January. I'm not familiar with that one at all. I'm going to have to go look it up. It sounds really good. It's a source books title. That's a new one for me as well. Thank you for the knowledge about this new story. I'm going to have to hunt it down. Absolutely. And you said it was a source books one as well? It is. Okay, good. I'm going to track that one down. All right. Are you into February now, Pamela? I am moving into February with The Woman with the Cure by Lynn Cullen. As Mary and I talked about on one of your earlier episodes, we were both huge fans of Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. That is fiction. And The Woman with the Cure is historical fiction, but is the story of the incredible real-life lady chemist, Dr. Dorothy Horstman, and her polio research. As usual, the men got the glory, but they would never have succeeded without Horstman's brilliant research and insights into the polio vaccine. She worked 
tirelessly in the 1940s and 50s to try and help stop the time bomb that was polio at that time. It was just touching everyone's lives. And while the men were involved in the research and in this race to glory, they were very much wanting to keep their names front and center and be the one who got the honor of having been the inventor of the polio vaccine. Dorothy Horseman worked tirelessly, but much more behind the scenes, and the polio vaccine would not have happened without her research into finding out that it actually lurked in the blood. And this story is so compelling. And of course, written by Lynn Cullen, who's a wonderful novelist, and she is just brings this woman to light and finally gives her the credit that she is Jew. Dr. Dorothy Horseman is a true hero for modern medicine. And Woman with a Cure by Lynn Cullen comes out in February. And it's a book that I certainly hope readers will embrace. And I hope also that book clubs will pick it up. It's definitely on my list. I have a copy and it sounds like it's really good and so relevant for today as well with just having gone through the whole COVID vaccine thing and developing a vaccine and obviously women behind the scenes, just all of it. I really like The Sisters of Summit Avenue by Lynn Cullen. That was one that I had read before and really enjoyed. It was really a pleasure. Good. Okay. What's up for you, Mary? I am still in January and this next title absolutely gutted me. It is a YA, and I I believe I've said on on your program before that a friend told me, a bookseller friend told me that YA is adult fiction that gets to the point faster and pulls no punches. And I have found that to be true. And I don't often delve into YA, but this one came through and the story premise just drew me in immediately. It's called Underneath the Sycamore Tree by B. Celeste. It is actually a source book's imprint, Bloom. That's one of their new imprints. They're growing so by leaps and bounds. And I just, I, I felt compelled to read this. It is the gutting story of a twin sister who loses her twin to an autoimmune disease. Her mother can't recover from the loss, so Emery, the surviving twin, goes to live with her estranged father and his new family. Feeling alone and misunderstood and suffering from the same disease that killed her sister, Emery is just going through the motions until she meets Caden, who holds nothing back and forces Emery to face herself. This was an absolutely crushing novel. It gave me a huge amount of insight into people who suffer from autoimmune disorders and disease. And I have a few people that I'm close with that do suffer from these. And I, you know, I know they're on special diets and they kind of, you know, they have to be very careful with illness and COVID was a huge concern, but I never fully understood what, what is it like to be in the skin of somebody suffering from an autoimmune disease? This book just really put you in that character's body as far as what they're feeling day to day on any given day, good days and bad. It's got a forbidden love story in it. There's a lot of a lot of teen angst, high school, you know, mean girls, and 
all of that going on within it. But I couldn't turn the pages fast enough. The story really pulled me in and kept me there. And like I said, it absolutely gutted me. It sounds like a really powerful read. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. I like that about YA getting to the subject matter quicker. Yes. And and that has been at my complete experience with YA novels. You know, there's no long build up to the story. They just, you get thrown right into the deep end. And sometimes that's so nice. You're kind of ready to just dispense with the extra stuff and leap right in. I am. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan. I don't read it often, but when I do, I find myself enjoying it immensely. And that's a great recommendation too, for people that have kids in their 20s or or late teens, and they're wanting some kind of YA recommendation. Absolutely. I, I recommend it very highly. And like I said, for anybody who might have someone in their life that lives with an autoimmune disorder, this really gave an enormous amount of insight into what it's like to live with that. That sounds great. I am still in February with Codename Sapphire by the wonderful historical novelist Pam Jenoff. Pam is such a Renaissance woman. She has experience as an international diplomat. She's an attorney. She's the mother of three busy children. And she continues to put out novel after novel with Park Row. And Codename Sapphire is up to her usual high standard. This one is going to appeal to fans of Kate Quinn's work. Um, It's got women who are working undercover as spies during World War II. This one has three really intrepid young women resisting the encroaching Nazi empire. And who do you trust during wartime? You don't know if your neighbors are friends or foes. You can't trust anyone. And this young woman, um, cousin's family, is being sent to Auschwitz, and she is doing her best to try and save them. It is absolutely harrowing. And she has to go undercover in occupied Europe, trying to save herself, trying to save her relatives. And this is another one that is absolutely spine-tingling historical fiction that reads like a thriller, fast-paced, and Every time I think that I have just had enough of World War II fiction, somebody comes along with another just absolutely riveting tale and Codename Sapphire falls into that category. I just absolutely tore through it. Pam Jenoff can always be counted on to deliver a quality novel. And this is it. Codename Sapphire coming in February from Park Row Books. I was just going to say that about World War II. People say they're done with those stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way. There are so many wonderful stories. And it's just so much fun to continue to read them and learn about different aspects of the war, different locations, different stories, all of it. It is. And so much of women's participation in the war is yet to be uncovered. And Pam does an excellent job of bringing those stories to light. That's exactly right. All right, Mary, what's up next for you? All right. I am still in January. I have got you covered for all of those dark winter days. This next book is nonfiction. It is called Drinking Games by Sarah Levy, and it is a memoir written in essay form, and it is her journey to sobriety. 
it is striking the perfect chord of relatability and biting honesty without claiming to have any of the answers. Sarah takes us by the hand throughout her personal journey of sobriety, relationships, and identity. As her story reveals insight into millennial drinking culture, she shows us how life's messiest moments can end up being the most profound. I think this is a perfect uh, read for anybody who enjoys a good memoir, who loves the essay format. And I, I am a big fan of both of those. I love memoirs. I love them in essay format. And anybody who might be questioning their own drinking habits will see themselves within the pages of Sarah's book. It is not at all preachy. Like it says, it, it does not claim, she doesn't claim to have any of the answers. It's just her figuring things out. She saw herself as more of a Carrie Bradshaw, you know, with a splash of Chelsea Handler, but really she was just a hot mess whose drinking was spiraling out of control. So this really goes into, it kind of goes back and forth in, in through her life in different times and how drinking impacted her and what she discovered about herself as she attempts to get that under control and eventually stop it all together. I found it a riveting read. It's from St. Martin's coming in January, Drinking Games by Sarah Levy. I really like memoirs that are written in essay format because they're so easy to pick up and put down. I agree. I love it. You don't have to commit to a, a huge chunk of time. I love, I usually have these types of books in every room of my house on different tables. So if I'm waiting for somebody to drop something off, I can pick it up and read a chapter. I love them so much. I do too. What's up next for you, Pamela? I have another February release. This is another title that both Mary and I agree is a stellar nomination. It is called Mame by Jessica George. That's spelled M-A-A-M-E. And this is about a young woman from Ghana living in London as she navigates her 20s. She is very naive, very vulnerable. And this I would not call so much a coming of age story as a coming into her own story. She is the family rock. She is heavily put upon by a mother that flits back and forth between London and Ghana and is still incredibly overbearing. Her father is very ill with Parkinson's and she is his caregiver. And she has a younger brother who refuses to take responsibility or do his part. And as she finally gets her chance to break out of the role she's been assigned and get an apartment of her own, make a new group of friends, start going out, she suddenly realizes that she's allowed to be her own person. She can make mistakes that affect her life and make those decisions. This has a lot of humor, a lot of poignancy, discussion points about what you owe your family versus what you owe yourself. Of course, racism, female pleasure, uh, the complexity of love, and about the power of friendship. And it just is a wonderful exploration of being torn between two cultures, as well as between what you owe yourself and what you owe your family. I think it would be an excellent book club selection. 
And I am highly recommending Mame by Jessica George coming from St. Martin's Press in February of 2023. And I loved this book so much. I thought it was just a spectacular novel. And I think that it is going to be just one of the huge titles of spring. I've been hearing so much buzz about this one, and I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. So I'm happy to know that. And that cover, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I confirmed the pronunciation with the publisher. I'm so glad you did, because now I feel like I'm in the know. I have it from NetGalley. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I've heard nothing but great things. Yeah, well, bump it up your list. I will. I'm going to be like, okay, I have 20 books that are now being bumped up my list. (laughs) All right, Mary. All right. So I have one last January title, but like I said, just there's so many great books coming out for winter and I could not leave this one behind on your podcast. It is called In the Time of Our History by Suzanne Pari. I've talked before about how important, and Pamela and I talk about this frequently, how important it is to read outside of our own experiences. And my own experience as a Midwest middle-class white woman. So we do try to find books that reflect other people's experiences. And in the time of our history does exactly that. Inspired by her own family following the 1979 Islamic revolution, Suzanne Pari explores the entangled lives within an Iranian family, grappling with generational culture clashes, the roles imposed on women, and a tragic accident that forces them to reconcile their guilt or forfeit their already tenuous bonds. Set between San Francisco and New Jersey in the late 1990s, in the time of our history is a story about the universal longing to create a home in this world and what happens when we let go of how we've always been told it should look. Beautiful, beautiful generational clash cultural clash, just really lovely story, beautifully told. This is a novel that Mary and I both were just bonkers for. I read it in manuscript form about a year or more ago and was just dazzled. I told the publishers at Kensington, it was just one of the best things they have ever put out on the market. And I'm so excited for Susan Pari and this book because This is a book that everybody needs to get their hands on. Those of us who can still remember the Islamic revolution, as well as just people who are interested in family drama. It's spectacular. It sounds really good. I looked it up because I was curious about it. And I thought, okay, I definitely need to get this one. I wasn't familiar with it until I had your list. And the cover is gorgeous, right, Mary? Yes, it is. I'm not sure I saw the cover. So, okay, now I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. All right. So, Pamela, are you moving into March? Mary's still in January. Pamela's moved on to March. (laughs) I live in Minnesota. I can't get out of January fast enough. (laughs) Exactly. I was in dire need of something humorous. And when I received Tara Conklin's newest novel, Community Board, I dove right in. I was a big fan of her last two books, The Romantics and The House Girl. And they're very different. And Community Board is yet very different again. Uh, Her character, Darcy Clipper, proves that you can go home again. It might not be pretty. It might not be what you expect, but you can go home. They have to take you in. And this character, her life has fallen apart. She goes back home to the family homestead where she grew up, only to find that her parents have departed for warmer climates. 
and she is left there eating can after can of chickpeas. And <laughs> she has to find a way to support herself with no job, no skills, and no money other than eating chickpeas. And so she gets on this community message board, and the posts are funny, ranging from people who have 500 cans of corn that they accidentally ordered and need to give away to people wanting other people to come help them find pets. And so she finds a community of people that she doesn't even know existed out there and people who become her chosen family. And it's just wonderful. It's a humorous look at what happens when you need a safe place to return to lick your wounds. And Tara Conklin did a wonderful job with these characters. They're funny, but touching. And she makes you laugh with them, not at them. And it's just an entirely great cast that she has put together to pull off this novel, Community Board. That's coming out in March from Tara Conklin. I loved The Last Romantics. It was one of my favorite books the year that came out. I haven't read The House Girl, but as soon as I heard she had this book coming out, I was in contact with the publisher, like, please, please, please get me a copy. And mine just arrived in the last week, and I cannot wait to read it. And it's another great cover. It is. And I love how she's reinvented herself with every book. They're all widely different. It is fascinating when authors do that, I think. Yeah, I love it. They keep us on our toes. Jess Walters does that too. Yes, you're right. All right, Miss Mary, are you still in January or are you moving on to February? I am in February. And I am starting off with another memoir. This is the newest book from Christy Tate. She's the author of Group, which was a book I absolutely loved. And her new book is called BFF, as in Best Friends Forever. It is a memoir of female friendship. I had no idea how deeply I would be affected by this book. It is personal, funny, and it's her heartfelt, lifelong struggle to sustain female friendships and the extraordinary friend who changed everything. This book had me reflecting on my friendships going all the way back to elementary school and the friendships I have today, and how I have let go of or maintained different friendships. And it really had me examining why and what caused me to let go of certain friendships and yet hold on to others. The work that I've learned to do as you know a, a middle-aged adult on friendships that maybe I didn't do earlier, you know, say in my 20s. There's so much going on here. I feel like this is a book that book clubs, you know, even if they are a fiction book club, there's so much to discuss within the pages of this book. Christy is absolutely fearless when it comes to sharing and bearing everything within her life. And she did that with group. And she's certainly done that with BFF. And I am very highly recommending this as one of one of the, the top memoirs I've read of past years. She's got blurbs on here for group from, you know, people and Reese Witherspoon. And I have a feeling that she's going to be getting a lot of chatter about this new book as well. So this is the first mention I've heard of this book. I haven't read group, but I'm aware of it. 
but I didn't know anything about BFF. That sounds absolutely amazing. It really is. I have read both group and BFF and Mary is quite right when she says that Christy is fearless. She does not feel the need to hide anything from her readers. And all of us who have friends and relationships and the complexities that go along with them are going to see themselves in this book. And it really makes you evaluate the friendships you've had past and present. It's wonderful. I think as you continue to get older, you think more about those types of things too, why you've held on to certain friendships, why you haven't. I think with the advent of social media, particularly Facebook, it's so much easier to keep up with more people. It's just really interesting. It it is. And Christy examines all of that. She really does. You know, she talks about how she thought that her romantic relationships were the ones that deserved all of her effort, all the tools at her disposal, all of her mental health energy. And here she hadn't been tending to these female friendships, which were the ones that, you know, we get so much more from, especially me, as I get older, they've become much more precious to me. And I lean on my friends much heavier than I did in early days. And Christy just explores all of that. It it is just an amazing book. If you are a memoir fan, or if you have ever had a relationship with a female friend, this book will be huge for you. Well, you've definitely sold me. Wonderful. All right, Miss Pamela. All right. I'm going to go back for some historical fiction this time. Wayward by Amelia Hart. This is a novel that celebrates female empowerment across the ages. The wayward women reach through time and generations to harness the natural world and retrieve that power. And then ultimately, they have to triumph over the eternal curse of misogyny. So embrace the sisterhood and let your spirit soar with this one. It is absolutely a riveting debut by the novelist Amelia Hart, and it explores witchcraft and female intuitive powers. It's told over the course of five centuries, and it connects three women, the character Kate, who's fleeing a bad relationship and takes off for this ramshackle cottage where her aunt lives that she barely remembers. You go back to 1619 and Alta is waiting for her trial because she's been cast as a local witch in the murder of a local farmer. And in 1942, during World War II, you have the character of Violet who is stuck by society's rules longing for an education, and she's just wasting her time in her bedroom while her intellect is wanting to soar. And you've got these three stories woven together about these three women across the centuries, and this is just a great enthralling novel about women and female resilience and the transformative power of nature and the natural world. Wayward is another one that we absolutely fought over I adored this book. I could not put it down. It was one of those that I binge read. Just one more chapter, one more chapter, one more chapter. Nothing got done in my house. I couldn't get enough. I loved it. I know St. Martin's Press is really on a roll. They've had some truly spectacular titles this year. And this is another one. In addition to the Mitfords, it seems like witches are having a resurgence. They're always popular, it seems to me. 
I guess that's right. I just feel like I can think of a number of titles in the last six months or so. It's just funny how things ebb and flow. Yeah. Well, Chris Bojalian had the huge hit with The Hour of the Witch. And of course, Stacey Schiff and her witches. And um, it just goes on and on. I think it's a never-ending source of fascination. It definitely seems to be. All right, Mary, is it your turn? I think it is. And I am still in February. My next book is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. She's the author of The Great Believers, which was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. And this book was another one I just could not put down. It's pretty hefty. It comes in at over 400 pages. It's about a woman who comes back to teach a class at her old boarding school and begins to question a crime that took place there her senior year. As her obsession about the case grows, so do the questions of all she thought she knew. Rebecca's completely original way of weaving crimes against women into the story grabbed me by the throat. She just hit me with this over and over through the book where she starts a chapter by saying, you've heard of her, I say. Wasn't it the one where the guy kept her in the basement? No. Wasn't it the one where she was stabbed? No. Was it the one where she went to the frat party? No. The one where he used a stick? The one where he used a hammer? The one where she picked him up from rehab? Those taglines and headlines are woven throughout the story, which I've never seen done before in this way, but it just, it it had my attention and had my kind of fury going that there are just so many crimes against women that we have trouble telling them apart. But in through this is this mystery of what happened her senior year and is the right person in jail for what happened. She starts a campaign to get answers. I I don't want to give any spoilers on this. It's not a novel that I left feeling triumphant. Like, yes, everything worked out beautifully in the end. It's very real life. And I personally, not always, but sometimes love to read a novel where all the ends aren't tied up in a nice little bow because real life isn't like that. In real life, we are often left with unanswered questions or justice isn't served or we don't have closure. And I do like to read novels that reflect that. And Rebecca just did a beautiful job with this work. I loved it. And it's going to get a lot of buzz. And I feel that it is all warranted. That's me giving it a huge round of applause as well. And it has a great cover. It does. And you both have been talking about this book for a while because I put it on my list ages ago because both of you raved about it on social media. Yes. Rebecca Mackay. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> and I'm still in March and I could never pick just one favorite novelist because I have too many that I adore, but I can pick my favorite classic novelist and that is Edith Wharton. And I was thrilled to find out that she has been reincarnated and her name is Jenny Jackson. Jenny Jackson is a longtime editor who finally has written a novel of her own called Pineapple Street. This is an acute observation of society and family life and it skewers the rich and entitled, but it also laughs at the failings and the foibles of family. Sure, the rich are different, but they also have a lot of the same problems that the rest of us have. 
This one has warmth and wit, and it's just such a deliciously funny and sharp debut. You know, she mines the wonderful trifecta of family, love, and class, and it's just so, so good. This family, you know, the oldest daughter, she's married, but she's had to trade her job and her family inheritance for motherhood, and maybe she gave up too much. Sasha, who's married into this family, is kind of considered, you know, the outsider. And Georgiana, the baby of the family, she's fallen in love with someone maybe she should not have. And she's going to have to decide what she wants to do with her life and what kind of person she wants to be. You are going to be endlessly entertained with this family. I could see this on the big screen just as well as on the page. And Pineapple Street is definitely an address that you want to visit. Jenny Jackson, Pineapple Street, comes out in March, and it is a winner from Pamela Dorman Books at Viking. I was also bananas for this book. Absolutely bananas. Loved it. My appreciation of the author and the writing and the story just grew as I kept reading the pages. I loved it. I can't wait to get to this one. And Pamela, I have to say, when you started with Edith Wharton, I was like, where is she going with this one? (laughs) I was like, she has a new book out. Hmm." So yes, this one is definitely on my list. It sounds really good. Oh, you're going to tear through it in one sitting. You just can't leave these characters. Good. Those are the best kind of books. Indeed. So Mary, are you still in February? No, I am now moving to March with Angeline which is a, I think it's going to be a little bit of a sleeper title, but I hope people will pick it up. I was drawn in by the cover and then pulled in by what I read on the back. Anna Quinn is the author. It's a Blackstone publisher title. And this is the story of a woman who, after surviving a tragedy that killed her entire family, a young woman joins a cloistered convent in the city of Chicago. But when the archdiocese runs out of money to keep the convent going, Angeline is sent to a progressive convent in the Pacific Northwest. I was completely swept away into Angeline's world. Anna Quinn beautifully explores the complexities of our past selves and the discovery of our present truth. I honestly, reading this, kind of wanted to pack up my bags and my books and move to Angeline's yurt in the Pacific Northwest. It's very atmospheric. It's a beautifully told story. And I really hope it gets the recognition it deserves because I think it is a phenomenal novel. I'm not familiar with this one at all, but I think Blackstone is doing a really great job of getting unique reads out there. They absolutely are. Their titles are, and, and their covers on the galleys are such attention grabbers that I can't help but pick these books up. And I do, I agree completely. They are really stepping up their game with some unique storylines. And Angeline is one of the best I've read. Good. Yeah, that sounds great. So what's up next for you, Pamela? I'm still in March, and I am going to recommend Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Her last couple of books, Dear Edward, was huge, and A Good Hard Look was a novel about Flannery O'Connor. Absolutely loved them. This time, she takes on the four Paravano sisters, 
and their complex relationship to one man. Of course, she's got nods and acknowledgments in the novel to the four sisters in Little Women. And this is a book that just works its magic on you. It's got family drama and one sister falls in love with a man and brings him home, but he has a very complicated past and tragedy has struck him. And eventually it rears its ugly head and the past comes into the present and changes all of their lives. And it's just so beautifully wrought, this portrait of family and what happens when you have to love someone in spite of who they are, not just because of who they are. And each of these sisters is beautifully rendered. And the man at the heart of this drama, he'll make you angry. He'll make you have empathy for him. And you'll certainly be rooting for all the characters in this book. Hello, Beautiful. Again, it's going to be one of those books that book clubs will have a lot to unpack and discuss. Anne Napolitano is a gorgeous writer. I think her book, Dear Edward, has been optioned for a film or a series. And uh, she is back on the page with Hello, Beautiful, and it has been worth the wait. I absolutely loved this book. I just couldn't put it down. I thought it was so well done. And she covers so many different topics, obviously the nod to little women, but also men and their relationships, like the basketball team that rallies around William. I just felt like she incorporated so many different things. I went to Northwestern, so I love that a lot of it took place at Northwestern and in Chicago. I just thought it was phenomenal. It will be one of my favorite reads of 2023. It really is. It was so moving. Gorgeous book. And you need lots and lots of tissues. (laughs) What's up next for you, Mary? Okay, I've got a March title and no tissues necessary, but you will want the lights on as you read this. It is A Flaw in the Design by Nathan Oates. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, hardly does that justice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's, you know, for fans of The Silent Patient, but I loved this so much more. Holy moly. It is suspenseful, creepy. It had me on the edge of my seat from the first page to the last. It's about a professor and his wife who live a quiet life in Vermont with their daughters. When their troubled 17-year-old nephew's parents are killed in a car accident, they reluctantly take him in. This novel has a very Hitchcock feel to it with an ending that actually made me scream out loud. This is the top thriller of the past several years for me. If people love a good, domestic, suspenseful, truly creepy novel, you are going to want to pre-order this title, A Flaw in the Design by Nathan Oates, coming out in March from Random House. That does sound really creepy. Oh, it is so creepalicious. (laughs) You are just going to be grabbing your undies in suspense. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I mean, I, as I'm talking about it, I can see my reflection in the window. My shoulders are like creeping up to my ears because you're reading it and you think you know what's going to happen. It's like watching a scary movie where you're yelling at the screen. Holy moly, just amazing, amazing work from Nathan Oates. 
And you have to keep the lights on while you're reading that one, right? Yes. That character is just phenomenal. Oh my goodness. He's one of the great all-time villains. Yes. High praise indeed. All right, Pamela, what's up for you? I'm going to return to World War II here. I'm still in March, this time with Once We Were Home by Jennifer Rosner. She is the author of the very popular The Yellow Bird Sings. And this time she once again takes readers into the heart and soul of the most vulnerable victims of the Holocaust, the children. Whether the children were hidden among Christians or within churches, these children left families where they were loved and that they loved and formed new attachments during the war. Many of them were so young, they didn't even remember their families of origin. So this book questions what constitutes a family, where is home? It's so filled with heartache and longing and also hope. It's just going to give readers so much to contemplate. And again, this is a not so well-known aspect of World War II history. And it's based on the true stories of children who were stolen in the wake of World War II. Jennifer Rosner's characters, Anna and Oscar, they were sent out of Polish ghetto and hidden with a Christian friend. Oscar is so little, he doesn't remember his original family. And so when a woman from the Jewish reclamation organization comes back and tries to take them back into the Jewish community, they have very opposite reactions. Anna, the older one, sees the opportunity to reconnect with the Jewish part of her family. Whereas Oscar, he only sees the loss of the only parents and home that he remembers. And it is just stunning. Other characters in the book have been hidden in a monastery, and the Christians are very reluctant to return these children to the Jewish community and Jewish faith. So this explores those complex emotions about having a variety of people who love these children and whom they love, and also about the conflict between religions. And it's just this beautifully evoked, tender novel filled with so much anguish and based on true stories. And again, a less well-known aspect of the war. So something that gives you some new discussion points. Again, that comes out in March, Once We Were Home by Jennifer Rosner. That one's high on my list. I really liked her last book and I can't wait to get to this one. I did too. She did a great job with both of those books. I was glad to see it on your list. Thank you. Worthy of being on everyone's list. Jennifer's writing is just beautiful. All right, Mary, where are you now? I am in March with my number one book of 2023. Every other book is going to have to fight to topple this title from being my favorite book of the year, even though, you know, I'm only reading through April or May. It is Go as a River by Shelley Reed. Just stunning storytelling. This is an epic novel. It's a saga, and yet it is under 300 pages. So much story packed into every page. I love an author who can use fewer words to get a a phenomenal story across, and Shelley Reed does this. It is part love story, part historical fiction of a small Colorado town. A teenage girl runs her family farm in the 1940s in Iola, Colorado, the sole surviving female in a household filled with troubled men. She falls for a young drifter with a mysterious past, 
who was displaced from his tribal lands in the Four Corners region of Colorado. This is an epic story of survival and a woman's will to make it on her own. It's gorgeous. It is a must read. Anyone who just wants a great story, this is for you. Book clubs should be snapping it up and putting it on their schedule for 2023. I loved it. So Mary, you and I sat in on the same Spiegel and Grau event and we were chatting back and forth. And when they started talking about this book, you were like, you have to read it. So I actually bumped it to the top of my list and I read it next. And then I texted you and said how much I loved it. It is just so, so good. It's a beauty. And I also love the simplicity of the cover and yet the perfection of the cover. It is just an exquisite match for this novel. It truly, truly is. The cover is perfect, perfect. And I wouldn't have, I don't know if I maybe would have picked it up from the cover, but after reading the book, there's no other cover it could have. And I love the fact that uh, Cindy, you validated. I love being validated when I love a book so, so, so much. And then somebody else comes back and says, you're right. It is that good. Yeah. I read it before it had a cover and it just came to me, you know, from the publisher and they had sent me an email with a teaser and it sounded wonderful. And I read it right away. And then when I was able to see a version that had the cover on it, I thought, oh, they just did a great job. Perfect match. I think you're right. And I think Mary's right that I'm not sure I would have grabbed the book based on the cover, but once you read the book, the cover is perfect. And I'm always one of those people preaching about all these women turning away in historical fiction. So I have to say, I was just so pleased that it was going in a different direction, that it was, you know, so simple and had the peach. And that's such a part of the story. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. Yes. All right, Pamela, is it you now? It is my turn. And this is my last book for March. It is called Beyond That, The Sea by Laura Spence Ash. And everyone's familiar with the Narnia children going through the wardrobe when they were resettled in World War II and taken out of the city and sent to live in the country. But this character, Beatrix Thompson, her move to America is equally awe-inspiring. She is sent from a family with whom she's very happy. She loves her parents. But the war is taking place. London's a very dangerous city. And she's sent to the United States, where she is resettled with a family to whom she has no connection. Two parents and two boys. She falls right in the middle of them. And she's given this glimpse of a very comfortable, more upper middle class life than she's used to in London. She falls in love with this family and they too love her back. And she spends the entirety of the war there. At the end of the war, she is going to go home. And it's just this incredible tale of love and loss. She has connections and love for both of these families on either side of the pond. And she can only be in one place at a time. So she's forced to leave the family she settled with in America, go back to Britain. But through the course of their lives, both families stay in touch with B. And they continue to grow closer as they become adults and take on adult complex issues and feelings. And B navigates this life with great poise and tenderness. And of course, they all make mistakes and are forced to make choices that we may or may not agree with. But it's just a beautifully written, absorbing novel. So much heartache 
and so much that you'll want to understand about loss and love. It's just epic in scope called Beyond That, The Sea by Laura Spence-Ash. It comes out in March. And I really hope people are going to listen to this podcast and promptly go pre-order this book the very moment they finish listening. It's, it's beautiful. I agree. Again, this was another title that we fought over. If we lived closer, we'd be arm wrestling. It's a stunning, beautiful, gorgeous novel. Just filled my heart. I loved it as well. And I was I was laughing when I was watching you all go back and forth on the emails and who was going to have this one. But it's Celadon's lead title, I'm pretty sure, because they have been hyping it for a long time. And when she first emailed me about it, which was many months ago, she said, this is kind of our really big release for winter. And it is just so well done. And it's interesting because I just read Foster by Claire Keegan. And oh. it was making me kind of think the two have very, very different storylines. But the idea of staying with, like leaving your family, staying with another family and seeing how a completely different family operates and maybe provides things that your own family can't provide, and then trying to go back to the original family and how difficult that can be because B really did kind of find herself with almost without a home. She had a home, but she felt so torn between the two after the events happened that it was always really difficult for her. And I just thought it was interesting because it reminded me of the girl in Foster as well. Oh, interesting. Yes. I love Claire Keegan's writing. I have to get to Foster. It is such a quick read. I mean, I read it in like 30 minutes. It's really short. But I loved Beyond That, The Sea. It was just stunning. It is well-deserved for Celadon to position it as their lead title. It's a beauty. All right. I have an April title. This is If We're Being Honest by Kat Shook. And this is for fans of We Are the Brennans or All Adults Here. This is a debut which uh, reads like a much more seasoned novelist. Kat Shook does a fantastic job with dialogue, which always makes the pages turn more quickly for me when you've got snappy dialogue. This is about Jerry, the beloved Williams patriarch, who dies suddenly and his grandchildren flock from across the country to the family home in Georgia. But when his best friend steps up to the microphone to deliver his eulogy, the funeral turns out unlike anyone expected. This is the cousins, the grandchildren, the children, you know, the matriarch who's surviving, all of their relationships. It's really well done. I found myself smiling throughout a beautiful novel for springtime. This comes out in April and will be a great one to take along with you on spring break trips. I loved We Are the Brennan, so I'm going to definitely add this one to my list. Excellent. It's on my nightstand too. Oh, good. Okay. Well, then I have to hear what you think about it when you finish. What's next for you, Pamela? Well, this one is really my last March recommendation, The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton, who is the author of Waiting for the Night Song. She returns to eco-fiction, but with a very different story. This one is set in the not-too-distant future, slightly post-apocalyptic. It's a wrenching story about the fate of the bees and humanity, a story that I think is highly topical right now. It reads like a thriller, but Julie Carrick Dalton has the scholarly chops that set it aside the finest of literary fiction. It's really kept me thinking so much about what we are doing with bees and with plants 
and how that's going to impact the future of our world. So this character, Sasha Severin, has returned to her childhood home to find the research that her father, the infamous last beekeeper, has hidden away somewhere before he was incarcerated. In her old house now, Sasha's confronted by a group of squatters. And at first, you know, she's feel quite threatened by their presence. Are they friendly? Are they dangerous? This is a, a whole new world out there. And she wants to find the secrets her father has left, but can she trust these people? And you read along with Sasha as she forms new attachments to these people and tries to uncover the truth of the research that her father left behind about the bees. And are they really extinct? Or is there a possibility that there might be a few remaining survivors that could not only redeem her father, but redeem the world? And it's just such a beautiful book. And anybody who has concerns about our environment and what we're doing to it in the present that could inform the future is going to want to pick up a copy of The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. I absolutely loved this book. I sat down to read it and I'm not sure I got up till I finished it. I just thought she captured so many different things in the story, everything you're saying. And then the idea, are the bees still there? Are they not trying to track them down? Community, building that, dealing with a father who is having some issues. There were just so many things about the story that made it so compelling. It'll be another one of my favorites of 2023. It's so true. When I sat down to read it, I think even though it's rather lengthy, I think I read it in one sitting because I just could not bear to part from these characters until I knew the resolution. Exactly. And I just think it's one of those books that I keep returning to and I keep thinking about, and I think it will probably be that way for a long time. And the cover's great. The cover is good. All right. My final title is another April title, and this is for fans of historical fiction. One of my favorite authors, Renee Rosen, has her new book coming out. It's Fifth Avenue Glamour Girl, and it is the story of Estee Lauder. This book had me just looking at the cover and thinking about it. I can almost smell the perfume at the cosmetic counter in the fancy department store. I can see the gleaming glass shining at the counters. Fifth Avenue Glamour Girl focuses on the early life of Estee Lauder and how she came to be the queen of the cosmetic counter. It's all of her hard work and really, I mean, she was so driven to make something of herself. And she knew she had something and she worked tirelessly to get her name known within the world of the department store. I love Renee's books. Her last book, The Social Graces, was amazing. And I absolutely adored Park Avenue Summer. I love what Renee does with her characters and how she brings them to life. And anyone who loves these kind of glamorous women are they're going to want to read Fifth Avenue Glamour Girl. I just read it last week and I am so on track with Mary. It is spectacular. I've read all of Renee's books and she really has knocked it out this time. I mean, Estee Lauder, she not only was an amazing businesswoman, she changed an entire industry and Renee shines a light on her beautifully with all her foibles as well as her incredible intensity and drive. And this is just a great book. 
I enjoy Renee's books so much as well. And when I interviewed her for The Social Graces, she was talking a little bit about this one. And I made a note then. I told her I definitely cannot wait to read that. So as soon as the galley arrives, I am diving into it because I can't wait to read it. You need to do that. (laughs) So Pamela, do you have your last one? My last one, yes, April. I am going to give a shout out for one of my favorite authors, J. Ryan Straddle, Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. This is such a great Midwestern book. He returns us to another deliciously engaging novel set in northern Minnesota. J. Ryan's all about food and beverages, and this time it takes place in the Lakeside Supper Club. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Supper Club phenomenon, they were very popular back in the latter part of the 20th century. And you would go in and there's lots of prime rib and they'd bring you a little relish dish. And they were known for their signature cocktails and different things. And this small town in northern Minnesota with the family that runs the Supper Club, there's lots of people who are charming, curmudgeonly, all kinds of colorful characters. And the Supper Club might be a dying institution, but this is a timeless novel. And Jay Ryan is so wonderful at bringing these Midwestern characters to life. A hotel and Lakeside Supper Club, it's kind of falling apart, but the different relatives, some are more interested in carrying on the family legacy than others. And some want to modernize, some want to carry on the tradition. But you are going to be so wrapped up in this family story and this charming setting and everything that happens to these wonderful, wonderful people, as well as reading about all the fun foods and things that J. Ryan Stradle so wonderfully depicts in all of his books, whether it's talking about craft beer or special dinners that are created in the Midwest with menus. But Saturday night at the Lakeside Supper Club, it's just a lot of fun, heavy on the charm. This is a book that you're going to want to share with your mom, with your book club, with your friends and neighbors, and with your relatives, and anybody who's ever eaten at a Midwestern Supper Club. Saturday night at the Lakeside Supper Club comes out in April, again, from Pamela Dorman Books, and J. Ryan Stradle is on a roll. Another title that we had to arm wrestle over because... (laughs) I adored it. I love everything Jay Ryan writes. I love how he writes families. I love how he writes characters of all ages and living vibrant and exciting lives within their smaller town communities. This is another one the two of you have been promoting for a while, and it's definitely on my list. Does he go by Jay Ryan? He does. I don't think I've ever heard a name like that before. That's really interesting. <laughs> He is originally from Minnesota and now makes his home in California. And he is just an absolute delight. And I think if there was a gold medal for author with the most infectious laugh, it would go to J. Ryan Straddle. Agreed. Well, thank you both, as always, for joining me. Literally, my list has grown in leaps and bounds after we've talked today. And I so appreciate it. And I know everyone else is going to feel the same way. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring these titles to readers and get them excited about books that are coming out in the new year. They can get their their book club schedules going, and we just have so many great books that we've been able to talk about today. So thank you. Yes, thank you for once again inviting me. There's nothing I enjoy more than talking books with my literary BFF, Mary. 
And being on your podcast, you bring such great information to the reading community all across the country. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. I look forward to next time. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I hope you'll tune in next time. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.